Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Black in Science. Before we dive in, there are a few disclaimers I'd like to make. So first things first, these episodes are recorded virtually from the comfort of our own homes, so you may hear some ambient noises like a dog barking in the background or a train going by, and these are all uncontrollable factors of the environments we live in. So please try your best to do what I do and just tune them out. Secondly, these interviews are recorded utilizing modern day technology, which can have the occasional glitch. So you may hear some lag either in my responses or that of the guests I'm talking to, but I promise you they do not take away from the overall story being shared. So without further ado, let's get started. On today's episode, I sat down with the future Dr. Kaylee Arnold, who's currently in the sixth year of her PhD at the University of Georgia's Odom School of Ecology. Throughout the interview, Kaylee discusses her childhood while growing up in Oceanside, California, her time as an undergrad at the University of Redlands, and the dissertation research she's currently working on at UGA. You guys, Kaylee is just this bundle of positive energy that's so refreshing, and her journey through science is definitely one worth listening to. So with that being said, let's get into it. So welcome to Black and Science, future Dr. Carly. I'm so glad you were able to join me today. So to start things off, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us your name, where you're currently located, and where you grew up. Yes, absolutely. I'm very excited to be joining you today. So yes, my name is Kaylee Arnold. Uh, I use she, her pronouns. I grew up in Oceanside, California, which is about 40 minutes north of San Diego, um, right on the coast. Uh, And then I'm currently living in Athens, Georgia, as I'm a PhD student at the University of Georgia. Perfect. And how was growing up in Oceanside for you? It sounds like a dream. Um, so, so I loved it. Um, I don't know much else. I've only lived in a few other places. Um, so I don't have much to compare it to. Um, but I loved it. I think a nice thing, and I imagine we'll get into, but a big thing that kind of brought me into science was being so close to the ocean. Um, my parents' house is a couple miles from the beach. So that's something that we were able to do like in grade school. We could do like a quick field trip um, to the beach and go to tide pools. So I enjoyed that. And also too, you know, it's a nice like free activity that you can do. So I was definitely very fortunate. Like over summers, my mom's a teacher. So over summers, it was she would mostly like take my siblings and I to the beach and we would hang out. Um, so I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, like a mid-sized city, maybe like a hundred thousand people. Um, so it's not too big, which I enjoy, but then I'm only 40 minutes from San Diego and only like, you know, an hour and a half, two hours from LA. So it was a nice like middle spot that you can kind of, um, do a lot in, but then also you're close to like bigger cities to do even more in. That sounds beautiful, spending that much time on the beach, especially in that beautiful California weather. I'm so jealous. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty nice. (laughs) So you actually did answer my next question, which was when did what got you into science? So were you um, when you were growing up, did you have any other interests outside of science? Any that like kind of translated into things you did while you were in high school? Um. 
So I guess it's uh, a good question. So I think in terms of my interest in science, I mostly want to be, um, well, one of my, I think, ideas was to be a wildlife veterinarian. Um, and I think at the time I didn't really think of it as science, but, um, and that was largely because, so also again, kind of a really like fortunate benefit of living in Oceanside was that we were close to the San Diego Zoo. Uh, so that's how I got the idea about being like a wildlife veterinarian. But other than that, Honestly, this is such a, a question that I never know how to answer because I don't think I really had thoughts about like a career. I think maybe I thought about teaching as my mom's a teacher. I think I had thought a little bit about maybe being a dance instructor. I grew up dancing, um, but I think mostly I was like, I don't know, I'll figure it out when I get to college. <laughs> so when did you end up graduating from high school? So I graduated in uh, 2009. Mm -hmm. And then what did you end up doing after that? Um, so I went straight to college. I went to the University of Redlands, um, which is, um, it's about an hour east of Los Angeles um, and only about an hour and a half from my parents' house. Um, it was a very tiny liberal arts school. So there's only about, well, actually when I entered, it was less than 3,000 students. I think we had like 27, 2,800 students. It was smaller than my high school. So that was a, that was definitely an experience. Um, but so I... I was a biology major coming in. I'm not sure where this stemmed from, but I wanted to do like medical research. Um, I think just thinking about like in high school, oh, I'm good at science. What do you do? I don't know. I guess you do medicine. I don't want to be a doctor. I don't like blood. Let me do medicine research. Uh, um, so I majored in biology. Um, again, it was a small school, so we didn't have a ton of STEM majors in general. So uh, biology was broad enough to sort of fit on my interests. Uh, and then they're just exploring different courses. And I took a marine ecology course. I believe I was a sophomore. And that really was like the biggest like change in my whole trajectory was, oh, ecology? I don't really know what this is. Oh, I can study marine life. That's really cool. I love whales. What? I can uh, study whales. I can like, uh, we would take uh, lab trips to the coast because we were so close, just about an hour away. So my lab class was sometimes like going to the coast and like looking from the shore to see if we can see any wells. So that was kind of my biggest thing in terms of like, uh, I guess like classes was, uh, yeah, really just exploring and going from like medical research uh, to like marine ecology. I did some population genetic work for my senior thesis and just uh, exploring um, what <laughs> life sciences can be. Awesome. So to rewind a little bit, <laughs> when you were considering colleges to attend, were you one looking to stay within California? And then mm. two, were you looking for a small liberal arts school or did you apply to multi a multitude of different places? Yeah, no, this is a good question. So I think, uh, let's see. So growing up in California, most people either go to UC schools, so like UC San Diego, UCLA, or the Cal State school. So these are all our public school systems. There's ton in California. Um, so I was, I think I honestly can't remember, but I definitely applied to several of those. Um, but it was actually my mom who said, Kaylee, I don't think you have the personality to go to a big school. Uh, let's, and she was right. So like, <laughs> like, let's like take a look at some smaller schools or some um, like non very large um, universities to apply to. So that's um, how I got thinking. She herself went to a small 
at Liberal Arts School Occidental in LA. And then I think I got a brochure, a brochure in the mail about Redlands. And I was like, okay, what I liked was one. So I, I'm like pretty, I'm kind of a homebody. I, I um, knew I didn't want to be too far from my family, but also I didn't want to be like in their backyard. So Redlands was a good choice of like an hour and a half. So I probably wouldn't be surprised by my parents. Um, they would have to be like, hey, we're on the way. Um, but also too, I could drive home very easily on a weekend um, or if anything happened. I definitely was 18 year old who was not ready to like leave the state. Which is it's like good that you recognize that fact because know yourself, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so outside of your coursework, how is your overall experience at Redlands? Um, it was great. Um, sometimes I, I try not to like oversell Redlands perhaps. And I think it definitely fits my personality. So as I said, it was uh, smaller than my high school. So I enjoyed it. I guess it was good and sometimes um, maybe not as good, but our class sizes were really small. Uh, so I think my largest class had 30 people in it, my like our like freshman courses or our first year courses. So it was good. But then also too, your professors got to know you very well um, and they would know when you didn't go to class. So as all my friends were like, oh yeah, I'm skip you know, at, at un other universities. Oh yeah, I skipped my class. I slept through it and it doesn't matter. I would get emails from my professors and say, Kaylee, um, do you have a reason why you weren't in class today? I was like, oh. <laughs> So, uh, and again, like, it is good to go to class. I'm not um, advocating for skipping your courses, but I definitely had an immediate, like, immediately a very different experience um, than my peers I went to high school with that are at larger universities and were in um, bigger classes. So that was like one aspect. I think something else that was uh, definitely less than ideal is that Redlands is a predominantly white university. Um, there were very few, very few black students, so. In addition to my professors knowing everyone, they especially knew me because I was usually like one of only like maybe maybe two black students total. So they especially knew my name right away. Like first week of class, they knew me <laughs> as they were getting to know everyone else. So that was a bit of an adjustment. Um, but then I think surprisingly, um, because I was in such like um, search for a community at my university, um, I think I maybe made, honestly, I knew all the black people at Redlands, but I think because we all like, we had a space to go, we had the, uh, whew, all these names are, I think it was like our cultural diversity center, um, at the university. So it was something that like everyone would go, all the students of color would go to all the, truly I knew almost every black student, um, at least like my first couple years there for sure. So I think like, there was a lot of white students, but I think I was able to kind of make a nice like community in a nice space, or I guess we had a nice space um, to like commiserate, to talk, to just like have that nice, uh, yeah, I guess just community. Um, so I guess in wake of going to a small uh, school, I think I made kind of some stronger bonds in that sense, because um, we was kind of like, we, we were all we had. So uh, I think for me, it worked out okay. I know it's definitely not for everyone, but I know for me, it um, it ended up working out. Good, that's what matters. So would you mind giving a little bit more background about the work you did for your senior thesis? Um, sure. So uh, let's see, I think I spent uh, maybe two semesters and a summer working on this, but um, and this is mostly my pursuit of like, what am I interested in? So I actually looked at uh, mayflies. So they're insects you can find in the, or at least 
are species found in the mountains near Los Angeles. Um, their larvae live in freshwater streams. And what we were looking at was to try to identify if um, man-made dams were um, like obstructing their population flow. Um, so I was kind of doing some population genetics. Uh, so we collected mayflies on either side of either like a natural kind of lake and then some man-made lakes. And they're also two that are separated by different distances to see if like, okay, this uh, man-made barrier, this dam was built 50 years ago. Um, is it having kind of any effect? We looked at a one built 150 years ago and then also looking at like a, you know, kind of like a natural lake to see if there are any differences in gene flow between the separated populations of the mayflies. Cool. It sounds cool. So when did you end up graduating? So I finished college in 2013. Okay. And then what did you end up doing after that? So... Again, in my whole pursuit to figure out what I ultimately want to do, I had an interest in grad school, but didn't really know what field I want to go in. So even though my senior thesis was on mayflies, um, I was still interested in um, like marine animals. I did a little volunteer work with one of my professors um, and her senior students looking at gray whales and some um, marine mammal behavior. Um, a little bit looking at the effects of like whale watching boats and, and how people are disturbing um, the behavior of large whales. So after I graduated, um, I got this three month internship um, in Italy, which is kind of wild to think about. Yeah, it was a <laughs> like fresh out of college. So I moved to Italy for three months, um, uh, Sardinia, the island Sardinia. And we were at this tiny little island uh, that's mostly a tourist spot. So when the tourists left, there was uh, very few people there. Uh, but yeah, so there, uh, myself and I think four or five other interns at the time, we were looking at bottlenose dolphins that were just like right off the coast of where we were living. And we were mostly just monitoring their behavior. So I learned a lot about how to record different behaviors, how to identify dolphins, which was very difficult just based off of their dorsal fins of any kind of like notches or any kind of like structural differences while they're swimming and jumping and you have your binoculars, the boat's rocking around and try to figure out uh, like, oh, I think that is uh, <laughs> dolphin 123 or we, you know, we spent a lot of time practicing with a photo ID uh, like back in the office. So that was definitely like a really cool experience. And, uh, and also too, and there was a fish farm nearby. So they were also monitoring the behavior with the fish farm and seeing that a lot of dolphins would, instead of hunting wild fish, would just try, try to grab um, fish from the, the big like open water nets. And just to kind of monitor and survey and, and see what are the overall effects on the dolphins and, you know, mating behaviors and reproduction, how many babies they're having. So I did that for three months. And then ultimately kind of my takeaway was, oh, I love being on a boat and I love watching marine mammals, but not for work. Um, I... So it was just for me, um, sitting with a notepad and having to scribble down everything, um, I was not able to enjoy it. I was like, oh, we'll just like fine. So I realized it's not quite for me. So when I moved home, I started thinking about some other stuff to do. Um, and then I, I worked for I worked for a few years before I applied to grad school. So when exactly did you apply to grad school? And then what programs were you looking at? So I applied in 2015 to master's programs. 
Um, and the, the part I kind of skipped over is that I worked for a couple years. So I, I worked at a fish hatchery um, for a little bit. I was working full time because I was still interested in marine animals um, and getting some experience doing some hands-on work. So we were growing uh, sea bass and to put them back in the ocean to restock the populations. Um, and then at the same time, I was actually volunteering, so just free time on my days off. I was also volunteering at the San Diego Zoo in one of their research labs. And that is, um, so doing the the volunteer work is what got me really interested in um, looking at more like wildlife uh, disease programs. So there I was looking at, uh, we were monitoring water for different pathogens, viruses and pathogenic bacteria. So there I kind of switched focuses from behavior to disease work. Um, so those were the programs I was looking at. And the let's see, this is not true for all programs, but for ecology, for sure, is that you have to, well, you don't have to, but to um, secure a spot in a grad program, you have to email professors. So that was definitely really hard for me. And I didn't, I didn't really have any good mentors because I didn't, I didn't really know what I didn't know. So I was like kind of cold emailing people to not great success, trying to figure out uh, where I want to apply. So I applied to a few space, a uh, few places. I actually didn't get into a two-year program, um, but then um, kind of last minute, I found a opening for a one-year master's student at Tulane University in New Orleans. Um, so there, that was all like, uh, everyone had already gotten their like offer letters. And I think this was like May, 2015. And then I've, uh, the professor who was looking for a student to help in her lab, in addition to doing the masters, uh, that's who I got in contact with. And then I ended up um, getting accepted to Tulane. And then I did a one year non-thesis master's program um, at Tulane. So from 2015 to 2016. Okay. And what was that program? So that program was, um, uh, so I was in the ecology and evolutionary biology department at Tulane University. And so this is, um, I don't know how common it is. There's plenty of universities that do non-thesis master's programs. So it was course heavy, which was good. I didn't have a strong foundation in ecology or evolutionary biology because I have a very broad background in biology. I took like cell bio, I took like biochemistry. So a lot of things that weren't particularly useful for this specific program. So it was nice that I um, got a lot of courses in. So I took as many courses as any other master's student in a different program. I just wasn't required to do a thesis. Cool. And how many courses were you taking since you only had a year? I think four or five. each. So I, it was just two semesters. Um, so it honestly felt very similar to undergrad. So it kind of worked for me. You know, I was like, oh, I'm only a couple years out. And I was like, yeah, yeah, like I got a lot of science courses. That's was my life in college. Um, so it, it worked for me. Um, but yeah, so I did have a chance to do some research, but um, I wasn't working on a thesis. So I had a sort of like a different timeline and could learn different techniques um, and different skills and also further forgot what I want to do instead of like putting a whole project together. So what did you do after you finished your master's? So I immediately started my PhD program. So there, um, so what I didn't have when I was initially applying for my master's program was like uh, a good uh, mentor to talk to and figure out how to apply for PhD program. So my master's advisor helped me along. We spent time um, crafting my cold emails to professors. And also, she, you know, she helped me hone in on what I want to do. And then ultimately, um, yeah, I applied to a few schools um, and then I ultimately decided to go to University of Georgia 
in a actually it was a, at the time a brand new program in the Odom School of Ecology. So uh, this program it's it's a it's a mouthful, but it's called interdisciplinary disease ecology across scales. So it was like a a, a new program to do some like interdisciplinary work um, with ecologists and like disease people, infectious disease people, epidemiologists, public health folks. So that's also how it got on my radar. It was like, oh, like this looks really cool. Um, I can do disease work um, and, and also have a good foundation in ecology. And I'm also like, uh, stay in the South and go to Georgia. So it was all, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's, that's uh, where I started in 2016. Awesome. And how's that experience been for you so far? I think it's overall been a good experience. I will say PhD programs are just like a lot of work. It's very mentally taxing. And let's see, I'm in my six years. So it's, uh, it's, it's a little odd to think about like, oh, I've been here longer than my undergrad, I guess undergrad and master's combined. Um, so I think just uh, keeping up the momentum um, has been tough. But other than that, I really like the work I do. And Athens, Georgia, I fell in love with it. So I didn't expect to, honest, I honestly didn't expect to really like Georgia. I'm a California girl. So I didn't know what to expect, but I really enjoy the city I'm in. And something that I appreciate is that my department, um, we have a really good like grad student culture just in the sense that of course pre-COVID when we could hang out but that the students really put a lot of effort into getting to know the first years you know the incoming students um we would have different like socials and we would um you know there'd be kind of like people with different interests they would like kind of form little groups like oh hey uh we like to see concerts like let's you know make groups that go to concerts or we we like going to breweries or we you know like crafting so that's that was nice and I think it's when you keep moving around, eh, it gets hard. Um, and it, and also too, in grad school, it's easy to kind of like maybe isolate yourself a little bit just as you're like, oh, I just been working all day. I've been in classes. I'm tired. I'm going to just kind of like do my own thing. So it's nice that um, I had a good avenue to get out and meet people and, um, and do stuff outside of the lab. Oh, that's awesome. Especially with it being a new program, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> Right. I couldn't ask anyone else. You're like, what is this? Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So would you mind going into the thesis work you're currently working on? Oh, absolutely. So I, so as I said, so I'm a disease, well, I'm currently a disease ecologist. I've jumped around a lot. Let's see. So I study um, insects and they're called kissing bugs. And I look at their gut bacteria. So these insects, um, kissing bugs, um, if you know stink bugs, um, they're related to stink bugs. So you've probably seen some related ones. So kissing bugs in particular, they can transmit parasite that causes Chagas disease. So cases are mostly throughout Latin America, but Chagas, Chagas disease is um, it can cause like heart failure, a lot of heart conditions, and can cause death. It's a very serious disease that is not as well studied as a lot of other diseases, largely because it does affect um, Latin Americans. Um, so there's just less funding kind of to it. And then also it's a it's a disease that people uh, may have for a lot of years before it starts to affect them. Um, so I focus on the bugs that carry the parasite that causes the disease. And so I'll try to keep this short. So the species I study, they live in palm trees in Panama. 
And when uh, people cut down trees, so when everything gets deforested, then um, the the bugs may like come look for humans more instead of feeding on palm um, animals. So these bugs feed on any vertebrates, including humans. So really our focus is to understand the effects of deforestation on um, like abundance of the bugs, um, them having the parasite, and then specifically for my work looking at the gut bacteria to see if any environmental factors like um, aspects of the tree, how much organic matters in the tree, or what are they feeding on, um, and how that may affect the gut bacteria and the um, and the bug like carrying the parasite. Um, there's a lot of like interacting effects between gut bacteria and the parasite. So just having a better understanding of like the very like top down from like you cut down a tree. Now where is the bug living? How does that maybe impact what bacteria it carries? And then does that potentially make the bug more or less likely to carry the parasite um, or even more or less likely to ultimately transmit the parasite to a human? Um, so yeah, that's kind of in a, uh, I guess in a very large nutshell, uh, that's the work that I've been doing. Interesting. So yeah, from beginning to end, basically you're looking. Yeah. 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 So a lot of components. I, I mostly just look at like DNA sequences. Um, but yeah, yeah. Kind of the, which, which is something I'm interested in and it all kind of comes back to even my senior thesis. If you remember me mentioning that a while back, but of I'm interested in human impacts on animals and just very, very broadly. But as I've gone into disease, the impacts of humans on the spread of diseases. So as we're cutting down trees, how's that impacting risk of transmission for this like very serious um, disease? So many factors. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So when are you set to defend so in a wonderful world, hopefully I can defend this summer, maybe early fall. That's kind of what I'm um, trying to walk towards. And I, I think I see a tiny light. So uh, we'll, we'll see. But that is, that is uh, my hope. And my, I talked to my, my advisor today. She also thinks that I can graduate this summer. So what are your plans after you finish your PhD? So... Uh, it's a very big question, um, but so right now I'm uh, I'm applying and kind of considering some postdoctoral fellowships. So those are two year research or two plus year research fellowships, um, and something that I really want to do. So I want to focus on I think like gut parasites more broadly. So maybe gut bacteria or maybe just like broader gut parasites that cause disease in wildlife. Um, and then also looking at different environmental disturbances, either like human or like natural caused. So I kind of want to stick to that like large theme in particular. Uh, so I want to do research, but I also want to do a lot of outreach. And I think this is something that has become just like more and more important in my life as I've like seen all the opportunities I've been given, but that's just education and resources and everything is not equitable at all. So I want to make sure that of like, whatever I can do, increase access to opportunities, to education, to more equitable, like learning environments for particularly um, like kids of color, black kids. Uh, So that's something I'm kind of trying to leverage as I'm talking to some potential job opportunities that like, yeah, I'd love to do research, but also I want to make sure at least 40% of my time, maybe even more can be devoted to whether that's you know, making some connections with some schools, especially some like under-resourced schools to talk to like 
all the scientists at his university or at a museum or at these educational places, you know, maybe building up some like after school programs and, and really thinking about like access. Cause of course, if you don't have transportation to get to said program. So trying to think about that in just ways that we can be really equitable in access to education. And then I think even beyond that, even not just kids, but their families too. Um, and just giving more people the tools and resources to, you know, know what people are studying behind their backyards and how to like, I guess, opening communication um, so that uh, folks who are being impacted by the stuff that we study know what's happening, know how to, you know, kind of advocate for what they need and just opening that door between communities and um, researchers, which I don't think is um, very strong just across the board. Oh, that's awesome. And so, so needed for sure. So what's one short-term future goal you have for yourself and one long-term? And these could be career-related or personal, whatever you want to discuss. Short-term goal. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess short-term goal in like a really kind of basic sense is like I, I hope to find a job um, in the next like year that I'm like happy with, even if it's like a short-term position, but I want to find something that I'm happy with that I can like build some strong research oriented skills, but also some more like education outreach communication skills um, there. So I can just myself better communicate to non-scientists. So that's kind of my short-term goal. And I think long-term goal, um, I, I, I don't know, this sounds cheesy, but I was like, I just like really wanna um, find a job in a location that I'm really happy with. I'm ready to settle. I'm 31. I'm like ready to, you know, and I not have to feel like I'm compromising too much, which I know is kind of asking for a lot, but I hope that I can have a good idea of like what, I guess like my non-negotiables and how to kind of keep to those, whether that's like in life location, you know, I don't, I, there's not, not not every city in the world I would want to live in. So I think also too of like knowing what's important and, um, you know, places that have the same values as myself. I know you and I imagine a lot of the listeners, what's a good place for me to raise like my black children too. Um, and thinking about that and yeah. And I, I want to just like really, um, stick strong to not compromising on the things that are important to me, um, in life, not just like in my career. That's not cheesy at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it should be. <laughs> so has the current pandemic had an effect on your work? A little bit. So I I don't want to say lucky, but um, for my research, because I started in 2016, I was able to get a lot of my data collection done before. So when everything shut down, I mostly had computer work left to do um so that was i think i like got really fortunate in that sense so work-wise it has not affected much but um, just emotionally so i i think just like being a grad well being a person during a pandemic is hard and then just uh yeah i think just trying to figure out how to be a student um when it seems like there's bigger things going on and how to just sort of navigate that that's fair. I don't know how you got you grad students did it because and are still doing it because we're still in the midst of a pandemic. So kudos to you guys. Thanks. Yeah, it's a, it's a daily struggle. <laughs> so as a black woman in your chosen field, what has your experience been like so far? It's been okay. I think I also I mm, I think 
at least my departments I've been in, I think are better allies, if you will, and I'm kind of using quotes, but I think um, are people that I can trust more than some other, like maybe departments or just kind of places. But also to just not really having anyone else who looks like me is just, um, I think sometimes it kind of just gets a little taxing of like, yeah, like me being like the first one and the only one is like not a fun thing to, you know, like I want to just be aggressive and like my peers and and not have to worry about like, oh, well, I hope you can do X, Y, Z so that you can like you know, be the representation or we don't want to have you drop out because like, what does that mean? And, and I don't know, sometimes I feel like a statistic and I'm also very hyper visible. Like I said, in college, all my professors knew me immediately. It's the same way in my department. They definitely all know me, but then as soon as a, a second black woman of my general age comes in, then suddenly they don't know if I'm me or her. So that's all. I'm like, you've known me for four years. This person just started. So, you know, so I think that's the kind of both hyper visible, but then also feeling like, you know, I'm not having my own identity sometimes. So it's like, I can kind of power through. I, I have a good support system, uh, my mom in particular. So that's been um, good to, uh, you know, kind of like lean on. And I think a benefit of being at, so UGA is very large. So it's also a, probably white university I've only been to those <laughs> there's a lot of them um but because it is so large even even when black students are a small percentage there's still a lot of them so I think I've been able to kind of carve out community as well just looking at other departments so I made some good friends when I moved here that are in like clinical psychology and in like um you know social work and and higher education um so um, it's been good, but also too, just knowing I'm like, I have to like put in the work to find these folks because they're not on my side of the campus is I think something that a lot of other students don't, um, maybe don't have to think about. Mm, yeah, it's fair. I was about to say, are you on the website? You know how they like to, when there's so few of us, they like to, <laughs> you're everywhere. You're on the posters, you're on the website. I know. Oh, the, gosh, the way I side eye, I was like, really? And, and, <laughs> My one of my good friends, um, we laugh at this. So we came in the program at the same time. Um, so he's Latino, and both of us laugh that um, they've used our photo from recruitment in like early 2016 and are still using it. I'm like, really? Nope. Like, it's a good photo, but like, really? I wasn't even a student at the time. It's just like <laughs> very funny. I'm like, mm, I, yeah. <laughs> You're lucky I came here because otherwise it'd be like such false advertising. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And that's the worst when they have a photo and it's a bad photo and it's everywhere. And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. So, like, thankfully, it's a good one. But I was like, I knew, like, the fact that they've been using the same photo for, like, six years. I'm like, I know they would they would use a bad photo. Or, like, thank goodness I had, like, a good hair day. Because also, you know, they don't know. What, and not that they would care. But also, too, like, they can't tell if it's a good or bad hair day. Mm -hmm. um, and they'll be using me looking wild. So, I'm, I'm very thankful. <laughs> So have you had any notable Black mentors who had either a positive or negative effect on your experience? Um, yeah, so it really wasn't until I got to Georgia um, that I found any good mentors of color. Um, so 
one thing, and I can even talk about it a little bit um, more afterwards, but I think just, like, social media has, like, helped a lot, particularly Twitter, as I, yeah, that's how we connected. So Dr. Daniel Lee and Dr. Um, Naima Harris um, have been um, really cool women to, just powerful women to know, and, like, Black ecologists as well. And also something that helped was, um, yeah, I went to a conference of the Ecological Society of America, a big ecology conference, and they had a, a Black ecologist section. So I think just of like, oh, like, there's like Black ecologists. Um, so that was powerful. But I think, I think probably the biggest thing that I have gained from just knowing all these folks, especially Dr. Lee and Dr. Harris, um, of seeing that like, uh, there's ways to do it and still be happy. I guess if that makes sense of like, yeah, there's not gonna be a lot of us and it really doesn't kind of matter what institution you go to unless you go to an HBCU, but then it's gonna be smaller, just in terms of opportunities. It's hard to be super, super picky, but that they, uh, at least as they've communicated to me, have been able to kind of carve out uh, a place for them to be happy and a place for them to use their voice, a place for them to make space at the table for both themselves and for other folks. And that like, yeah, it's, going to be hard but that seeing them do it and seeing them like being so successful I think is something that I'm just like so honored to know I I, I, I don't know I just seeing someone who looks like me like do it is really just the biggest thing so I think I've, I'm very um, fortunate to have met them and be able to talk to them and um, just see that in person oh yes representation is so important people yeah and that reassurance like oh okay yes yeah yeah it's like it'll be okay it'll be Mm -hmm. fine you know Mm -hmm. and uh yeah (laughs) i can do it too (laughs) (laughs) so what are three pieces of advice you'd give someone who's interested in pursuing a similar path as you so i think for me one is be open to trying out different experiences and that could be whether it's like courses like i thought I wanted to do medical research, you know? So I think like, if you have the opportunity, try different courses and see what gets you excited. Um, No matter what you do, it's a long road to get to like your dream job. So if you're not like excited to work on stuff or excited about your topic, um, like it probably won't increase. If anything, it'll just decrease. So I think just thinking about that. um, And also, and I will say just with social media, particularly Twitter, I think it's like, I don't know, Twitter is such a weird, like, I don't know, like, I have, like, such a love-hate relationship with Twitter, but I think the cool thing, and I think especially with Black folks, is that, like, we, uh, it's, it's, I found it very easy to connect, um, even people I've, like, never met, and I think because, like, we all know, like, yeah, it's, it's rough out here, but, like, you know, just, like, a, like, a little engagement of, like, commenting on someone's post, or, or reaching out and doing a, and, like, sitting in the DM, like, hey, like, I really like the stuff you do, I really like the work you do, or what you talk about, so I think like um, it can be hard, but I think like opening yourself up to use social media and kind of interact or engage or even just like follow and see what they're talking about. I think that helps a lot. Um, and then you can kind of figure out like where a path may lead that works for you. Seeing someone who has their dream job and like, okay, like how do I do that? Um, I think Twitter makes gives you the space to do it in a less awkward way than like emailing a person or like walking up to a stranger. I don't know. I don't feel as awkward there. And then I guess my third advice is, um, okay. Oh, this is going to sound cheesy. But I, I think just like thinking about like humans and like human kind of connections and interactions. And I think that's uh, when I was younger, 
when I would talk to maybe a scientist or someone who was doing cool work that I wanted to meet or talk to, I was like, oh, I have to like make sure I remember all my biology courses or I need to make sure I'm like a very professional scientist that knows all my things. But like more often than not, like people just like talking and and that it's um, so I think just thinking about that, that like, again, I was like, most people are like true, like very personable, nice folks. And that if you know, like, it's okay to like relate about like sports you like or about some like non STEM activities and like, and that's okay. And, and I think that's also a way to get to know people and how to network. And, and then from there, you know, they can like, you might find find like a mentor online or, or you know, or someone like maybe a professor in your, at your university. So I guess those would be um, my things of just kind of different ways to sort of try to connect with people. Oh, that's such good advice. I wholeheartedly agree, especially with uh, utilizing social media and trying to connect with people because especially on Twitter, like you said, I also have a love-hate relationship with Twitter. Like Twitter <laughs> has introduced me and allowed me to interact with people who I never would have thought would have given me the time of day like especially those you know people who are in the game and killing it and are intimidating as all heck and then you have a conversation with them and it just reminds you that they are human they're people they have lives and interests too and they're still relatable despite being quote-unquote untouchable in your eyes so yes remembering those things and putting yourself out there is great advice I agree yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's hard to like, you know, and I've, I know I would say I've, it's helped with age, but I think just in general, like knowing that um, they will likely be receptive to just like your genuine interest. So I think that's, it's good to kind of keep in mind. Oh, yeah. Just slide in their DMs. It's fine, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That's what I did. Excuse me. That's what I did with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it works. It works. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> pro tip guys every single per almost every single person i've interviewed i've slid into their dms so <laughs> you never guys. know exactly i've gotten rejected but i've also you know gotten some great responses from people so that's great yes and i'll don't be afraid to comment and like leave little even if your comment is not something that's like mind blowing, just saying, oh, I like that or I agree. Those still, you know, they still impact people. I love when people do that with me. So I'm like, go for it, guys. Yeah, yeah. Be like, oh, like this is very, honestly, half the time that's my comment. Oh, this is very cool. And they're like, you know what? It is cool. Thanks. <laughs> right, thank you. Oh, great. It makes me feel a little special. <laughs> So that was actually all the questions I had for you today. So if you're willing, would you mind sharing either your social media information or your email or both for anyone who wants to reach out with questions? Yes, absolutely. So I, I love chatting with folks, um, both of you early in your career or if you're beyond and you can help me perhaps. But so uh, I'm I'm active on Twitter. So you can find me at, let's see, black underscore ecologist. Um, I think also if you search my name, Kaylee Arnold, you might be able to find me, but my handle is black underscore ecologist. And then if you want to send me an email, you can uh, Kaylee, so K-A-Y-L-E-E dot Arnold, A-R-N-O-L-D. So just my first and last name. So Kaylee dot Arnold at U-G-A dot E-D-U. So just my university email there. I'm um, I'm pretty responsive, but also I will say that if you send me an email and I don't get back to you in a week, uh, I probably have it in my unread. I'm like, oh, get back. 
just send me a second email and I will get back to you. I'm like, ah! So, and same thing if you send me a message on Twitter. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed with stimuli and I'm like, ah, I can't answer people. Just send me another message. Like, oh, yeah, 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 sorry. Like, I've been meaning to email you back for two weeks. (laughs) So just send me, just send me multiple messages. I will never be upset. That's the other pro tip, guys. Follow up. It's okay to follow up. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Cause that's why like me and I feel so bad. I'm like, Oh, like hopefully people don't think I'm ignoring them. I really just like, I just like put it on my to-do list and then I just like, Oh, I got to do that tomorrow. Oh, so, and I will do that sometimes for a month. So, but if I get another email, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to respond now. So, so absolutely, yeah. Follow up because a lot of people actually just super quickly. I know my advisor that I currently work with. So I had sent her a, a cold email initially when I asked to join her lab, and she just gets hundreds of emails a day, and they get buried. So me following up is like a big reason why I am now working with her is because she's like, oh man, I think I missed that email. So you you, you never know. I'm just a little spacey, but some people just. It's hard to keep up with emails, especially professors. So, <laughs> story of my life. Yes, I'm like you. I don't, I don't get that many, but I still have to be like, oh yeah, I gotta respond. Oh yeah. No, yeah. And the funny thing is, I usually I I will like I will like make a note like oh, I need to follow up with them, but then I just like, oh wait, I haven't emailed you, huh? Oh, and I just then I get distracted, and truly, it's just like my my daily struggle. <laughs> Same. So relatable. <laughs> Well, is there anything else you'd like to add? I don't think so. No, this has been great. Yeah, I I, uh, I enjoy just like sharing. Uh, I've just done a kind of like a lot of random stuff to get from um, high school to here. And and I think it's um, good to hear stories. So I'm very, very thankful that you reached out to me and asked me. I'm so honored. I was like, oh, like you want to hear about me? So I appreciate your time. I appreciate you reaching out to ask me and absolutely for any of the listeners, um, like truly, truly send me a message, follow up, send me three messages in a row. And I would be happy to talk to you, to connect you with folks, to do whatever I can. And yeah, just like wish everyone luck. (laughs) Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you again for taking the time to participate today. I can't wait to share this conversation with everyone. Thank you. And there you have it, guys. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Black in Science. I'd like to thank Kaylee once again for taking the time to participate as a guest on the show. If you've enjoyed listening to Kaylee's interview and want to follow her journey, feel free to check out her social media pages. I'll be sure to link all of her information in the episode's description. If you're interested in staying up to date with the latest Black and Science content, feel free to follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore BIS and on Instagram at Black and Science, where I'll be posting regular updates on the release of new episodes every other Monday. Lastly, if you're interested in participating as a guest on the show, just send me an email at bisthepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for all of your love and support, and I'll talk to you guys in the next one.